From We First and Goal 17 Media, welcome to Lead with We. I'm Simon Mannering, and each week I talk with purposeful business and thought leaders about the revolutionary mindsets and methods you can use to build your bottom line and a better future for all of us. Today I'm so excited to speak with Ryan Lutberger, the co-founder and CEO of CleanCult, a truly disruptive zero-waste home cleaning brand. Ryan, welcome to Lead with We. Thanks so much for having me, Simon. Ryan, you started Clean Cult back in 2016, right? So you were an undergraduate at Babson College. Why on earth did you start a cleaning company? Yeah, so personally, always been in the natural basically space, right? So born and raised Colorado, always been um, really natural to my core and looked at the back of everything. So started with food when I was younger. And frankly, my parents did uh, most of the cleaning when I was younger. So went out to college and fell in love with this space. And went out to Babson specifically because wanted to combine kind of better for the world movement and scale, right? And always had so a you were intentional. You went into that with that in mind. Okay. Correct. Yeah. So parents are both entrepreneurs. Uh, never really worked for for anyone and said, "Okay, great. How do we take this in truly a way that could affect change?" Right. So went out to Babson because one of the best business schools in entrepreneurship. And I said, uh, "I need that skill set." Right. And when I was there, it really happened organically. I've, I'd never cleaned. I'd never done laundry. I'd never looked or used laundry detergent. And the first time I, I used it, I used a, a, a bottle of the standard, obviously, that, that everyone does. And there's no ingredients listed on the back. So me being a Boulder kid, I, I looked at everything and did a lot of research. Is why aren't there ingredients in the back of this laundry detergent bottle? Again, I'm used to looking at food ingredients. Um, why not, right? So the more research I did, the more I figured out is that there's no regulation in the household cleaning space. So we have the USDA, the EPA, and the FDA, but almost no regulation on what goes into our cleaning products. So the more research I did, it was this crazy unregulated industry that the UK, literally just the UK, has banned over 1,500 chemicals that are allowed here in the States in personal care and and cleaning products. So really just surprised me. So... That was kind of the, the impetus of the brand, and this was before we thought we could build a real brand like this, but um, there was a big problem in the industry. And then I looked for all the natural brands in the markets, if you're familiar with Method, Mrs. Meyer, 7th Generation, and to be honest, they all use plastic packaging, right? And that was a really big disconnect for me as a, a younger and more optimistic uh, self. Sure. And it said, you know, how can these brands be making better for the world cleaning products if they're using so much petroleum-based plastic? Right. So that was a big disconnect. And that was really said, what if we could do something better? So that was 2016. You know, two disruptive things there. Firstly, you were washing your clothes at college. (laughs) And secondly, you're looking at the packaging and the ingredients on the laundry detergent. Okay, two truly disruptive things. I got to ask you, you shared something really interesting there, which I haven't heard, you know, in the interviews that I do is that you had two entrepreneurial parents. And as you were going in to start your own venture, you weren't thinking about this category. What's the best bit of advice? either of your parents gave you, you know, as an entrepreneur starting out with your own journey? Yeah, and this might not be well accepted, but my my parents are both, frankly, hippies, right? So they're from Boulder, and they both built pretty substantial businesses, and they've always come from a place is that it doesn't matter. And I, I don't know how to word this in the right way, but they try to if you disconnect from what you're doing matter, you can have complete clarity, right? But at the same time, it all matters because you're touching so many people's lives. So the way that they've essentially brought entrepreneurship into the world is trying to build businesses with the clarity of not needing 
to basically wake up every single day and think that if you don't succeed, everything will fall apart around you. So they've actually come from a pretty spiritual angle. And how do you connect spirituality in, in business? So that's, if I understand you correctly, yeah. your self-worth, your whole happiness doesn't hinge on the success or failure of the business. Correct. Just do something kind of um, that you just are committed to, commit to it and just see where it goes and don't uh, over kind of get overwrought by it. Is that what they meant? Yeah, I think that's what they meant. I'm not there yet personally. <laughs> I, uh, my, my whole uh, whole self-worth and, and identity is tied up in this thing. But I think there's they've approached business in the way is that um, if you relax the attachment to what you're doing, then what you're doing can scale much better because it's like looking out of a window that's tied with stress and just complete um, energy on a daily basis. And they basically said, can we build business without that attachment? And then therefore, can we build it bigger, better, and faster? I, I love that. I think that's yeah. very true. When you don't have that attachment, you can see it much more clearly. And it was interesting when I was kind of starting We First years ago, I, I went back to an old ad agency that I worked at, Wyden and Kennedy, that does Nike's work. And I and I spoke to Dan Wyden, who is a true luminary in the industry. And he said sort of, oh, you're going to do that? How's that going? And I explained to it. And he said, can I give you one piece of advice? And I was like, what's that? And he said, develop a healthy relationship with anxiety. And I thought that was kind of like a lighthearted statement at the time. But now 10 years on, when things are going well, don't get too attached to it because you probably don't have enough staff to service all that work. When things are going poorly, don't get too attached to that because there will be a better time. And so this lack of attachment, I think, is a really powerful message, a gift your parents gave you. And so you came away, you looked at the category, you saw all the plastic in the category of these sort of, you know, arguably better for you, better for the planet brands. So I know that on your platform, you talk about redefining clean. So yep. what, what does that mean? Yeah, so we started with this big issue is that all of the brands in the market didn't solve my need as a customer, right? And this was before we wanted to build businesses, this is before I fell in love with the cleaning industry. This is purely from an issue is that I experienced, right? So that's a, a really big call out. So first is that there were no brands out there that satisfied my needs of true sustainability, right? The natural brands use plastic. I couldn't really understand their ingredients. And then the categories of whole was, was frankly pretty dirty, right? So first off, um, it was there was no real sustainable brands. And I kept coming back to this again and again and again. Is I, I kept sacrificing. And then I tried to make my own cleaning products in vinegar and DIY, right? But I didn't have the time. And it kept coming back is that sustainability, A, wasn't accessible for me, B, wasn't affordable, and C, just wasn't easy, right? And for a year, I said, there has to be a brand out in the market to do so, and there wasn't. So, you know, what 20-year-old self said, there has to be a, a better way, and there has to be a better way in which I don't have to sacrifice. And it kept coming back to the same issue, is that it feels like to be sustainable and to start building brands or supporting movements that help the world, you have to shift everything. You have to become this dark green customer. You have to stop driving, stop flying, stop walking, right? It's really become pretty extreme. And our idea was how do we bring sustainability to the masses, right? How do we bring true clean in a way that I could still be a working mom? I could still have six kids. I could still be running around a household trying to manage this, but bring sustainability into the world. So that was really what, what we tried to bring in.
If we're really going to drive change, we've really got to inspire, enable, equip consumers to change. But if you ask them to radically change their lives, at some point that's not going to work because they're going to have to reorientate around this issue like sustainability, as you say. And if I understand you correctly, you're saying, no, let's, let's make it easy for them, reorientate the products around them. So tell us some of the ways that you've done something differently so that you can achieve that change more effectively, principally because it's easy for them. Yeah, so we, we started, and this was really a three to four year product development journey, right? And that's, I think, really underlining um, for everyone listening is it, it takes time, right? It takes optimization, yeah. it takes endurance. Um, we've had, you know, many a day we didn't think this would be, be successful because it was how do we change each part of the industry? Because just one wasn't enough, right? So we started with ingredients and traditional cleaning products are basically built with petroleum, right? And they use surfactants uh, from oil to make really, really effective cleaning products, right? And you weren't an expert in any of this, right, when you were doing this. You were like cold start, right? Cold start, cold start altogether. And I think that's almost necessary because if we'd been part of the industry, they said it's not possible, right? So I think there's such a, a beauty in ignorance, right? And I think it's almost necessary to like bring into the world is this naivety that brings optimism and light and, and hope to these industries that don't seem to have it at the moment. Um, so the first thing is, is ingredients, is I looked for all the natural ingredients in the market, and it took us a long time to find the right, and we actually found it in coconut oil. So coconut oil has been used across all these different industries, but is antimicrobial, it's antibacterial, it has all these incredibly effective cleaning properties, but has never been brought to the mass market, right? So I tried all the formulas out there, and we just found a really phenomenal formulations and it's across hand soap, dish soap, all-purpose cleaner in saponified coconut oil. And what that means is you literally take coconut oil and turn it into a hyper-effective soap, right? How so, did you, how, if, if the properties are there, how did yeah. you discover this and why is it not mainstream? I don't understand. Yeah. So um, there's really two reasons. So it, it can be mainstream, but historically it's been for this dark green uh, customer, Right which is a great person out there and they're um, very committed to the environment, but it's hard to get that product to the mass market, right? So we have positioned this, marketed this, packaged it in a way that it's not basically marketing to the dark green person, but that's to, we call it the conscious consumer. And yes, maybe she uses, let's call it Tide today, and that's okay, right? And maybe she's trying to make transitions and starting to eat sustainable, but she's she's not there yet, right? So um, we've put it in a way that there's no behavior change and that we could bring really effective and natural formulations at, at a price that people can actually get behind. It, it, it makes a, a lot of sense. And, you know, help me understand, you know, just that you're a graduate, you've got the probably arguably unsexiest idea out there in the world. Hey, guys. Hey, fellow students. We're at the pub. We're at the bar. We're having a drink. I want to launch a reinvent cleaning. Um, and you're starting from scratch. So what did you do? Did you do friends and family? Did you, yeah. how did you even get it off the ground? Yeah. So like I mentioned, it took about three years to get this thing off the ground, right? So 2015, 2016, we actually launched on Kickstarter and our value prop was just better ingredients, right? Because we hadn't cracked the packaging issue. Because again, we really saw three issues in the industry. One is ingredients, two is efficacy, and three was packaging, right? And we were going to hang our hat on this packaging angle is how could we fix packaging and household cleaning? How could we bring zero waste products 
uh, to the market in a way that would actually be able to scale, scale in grocery, scale in mass, scale in, in everyone's home across the United States, right? So uh, we started with ingredients in Kickstarter, and it was semi-successful, right? So we closed about $20,000 and, you know, about, let's call it 500 subscribers early on. So that was enough to say this has legs, but this is tiny. I mean, this, it was, and we, we failed in, in fulfilling half of them, right? We didn't take into account shipping costs, production right. costs. We were in the hole about 50 grand, which early on is massive, right? We had... Sure friends and family, we had loans. So it was a really challenging, challenging time. You started and the entrepreneurial white knuckle journey, right? 100% it has to be, right? So we, we really almost dropped it December of 2016 because we had this initial win is that we brought a more effective formulation to just laundry detergent, right? And we did pretty well on Kickstarter, but we lost a bunch of money. And it was December of 2016 that we said, we're going to start applying to accelerators. And if we don't get accepted to all these accelerators which support businesses at an early stage, we're done. We're dropping this, right? It just doesn't have okay. enough legs. And we got in. So we got into an accelerator on the actually the island of Puerto Rico and uh, moved there. You know, how did that? We, we dropped out of school. We moved all the way to, to San Juan and we started again. So this time... So your mom and dad are, your mom and dad are like, he's as crazy as we are, right? It has you to know, be. So let, let him go. <laughs> It has to be, and, and frankly, the, the school supported the journey. So moved to the island and said, look, we knew that the natural ingredients angle, it, it worked. People liked it, but the packaging angle wasn't there. We didn't have enough of a differentiated value prop to get real traction. So we said, okay, we're going to do it again, right? We need to hit all categories. We launched an Indiegogo this time, and this was hand soap, dish soap, all-purpose cleaner, liquid laundry detergent using our natural coconut oil that had done pretty well in the first time, right? That was really differentiated from an ingredient mix. Um, this time we closed about $50,000 and we did better because we knew the costing angle, right? And, but uh, that's, that there's still small sums of money when you think about it in terms of the cost and what you're investing, let alone your time and 100%. so on. So you're just, you are just still hitting and hoping, right? Hitting and hoping and, and that was it, right? And um, so at that point we finally had, let's call it five products in the market but really not enough progress. And the feedback we kept getting is, how can you be a truly scalable brand that fixes the household cleaning industry when you're still using plastic bottles, right? Um, so it was really then when a, when a light went off is that we, we went back to the drawing board and it's like, look, this isn't going to move the needle forward and we're not really making a dent in this industry. What do we do? And we, right. we basically talked over, over beers in San Juan and we figured it out and we said, what's a type of packaging that can bring a liquid product to stores, to people in a way that would reduce plastic and eliminate plastic? And we came up with milk cartons. So that was the aha moment, end of 2017, that we said, we need to change this and continue to optimize. And, and we did it. And that was the, the ground for, for our launch. I, I love that. I mean, you know, if, for everyone listening, that's what, 2016, 2017, you're two years in and you're still just trying to crack the nut of how you can actually disrupt an industry. Wasn't there a part of you that also thought, God, we're crazy. I mean, we're taking on an arguably already disrupted industry. You've got seventh generation, you've got method. It's such a competitive category. You've got all the big sort of global conglomerates in there. You know, why weren't you intimidated? Yeah, I, I don't think the, the challenge wasn't intimidation. I, I think it goes back to like the beauty and, and ignorance, right? It, for us, the real challenge um, was how do we solve it? Because I kept going back to me as a customer had an issue, right? Is There were no solutions for me out in the market. 
And I knew there were more me's out there, right? So it was every time we ran into an issue is that it's not there yet, right? It's not there. The, the marketing wasn't there. The traction wasn't there. Why aren't cu customers buying our products? It kept going back to this kind of grounding insecurity of understanding the problem. And I knew that I did not have a brand that appealed to my needs, right? And I knew that my friends didn't have a brand that appealed to their needs. And I knew that with host of, of surveys, they didn't have a brand that appealed to their needs. So even if it took three to four years, we could keep iterating and optimizing to a point that we would solve a brand that would fix the industry, right? So I think it was just always rooting back in, in the problem. I like that. It's sort of like, it's not like we've got to come up with that idea, launch it, be successful, scale. It's like, let's embrace iterating and almost stay detached, like, you know, you told your advice from your parents in a way, but just trust in the process. I think that's, I often use an expression at work at WeFirst, we always talk about like the process is the process. When you're working with a client, you're trying to get somewhere. Sometimes you have to go left to then go right and so on. Um, and I know that you then got another level of funding from folks like, you know, um, David Heath, who's the founder of Bombus, which is that amazing company that makes socks and soon T-shirts and underwear that really is to support the homeless. Um, you know, how did, is there a group of sort of, you know, enlightened CEOs out there with a secret handshake that support each other and kind of help each other? How did that happen? Yeah. So finally, we're like, great, we, we have this idea, right? But no one's ever put soap in milk cartons before. And so 2018, we move in. It's like, finally, we've cracked this nut. We have the value prop. We have the economics. We have the idea. We start to have the brand. But we couldn't find a manufacturer. Because right now in the United States, there's no contract manufacturers that can put soap in a milk carton, right? And you can never run a non-food product, right? So let's call it soap, lotion, sunscreen, CPD on a food machine. And there's only milk carton machines out there and manufacturers that run orange juice or water or right. uh, other soap or food, excuse me, food liquids, right? So um, we got introduced to Dave Heath, CEO of Bombas in New York City, presented this crazy idea, and he was like, this is gold, right? And he said, there's really, this has legs. He was our first investor, and we share about 30 investors as, as businesses, and he really brought us into the New York City area. So we, uh, with that, we went ahead and actually scoured the United States with this seed funding to try to find a machine manufacturer. We did, who really took a risk on us, and we actually built the first ever um, soap and milk carton machine. And um, that was basically our entrance to New York City. So that machine propelled us to our launch Jan 1 of 2019 and was, was I mean, crucial. And, and Dave was really crucial to our early journey. Let me ask you, you know, um, you've got to be accountable yourself. It's one thing to create a product that helps others and a product that's more sort of efficacious and sustainable itself, but yeah. you've got to make sure your company is. So what do you do to make sure that you're sustainable as a company? I know you've got partnerships. I think you're working with, is it Carbon Fund? Is that who you're yeah. working with? Yeah. So we, we set back. It's again, like our product can't just be sustainable from start to finish, right? So we figured out refill bottles that fix the, the, the use angle. We figured out milk cartons that are recyclable and we actually offer a recycle program for you, right? So we cover all the costs and we'll actually, uh, you can ship it back to us. And we'll do all of it and actually reuse those cartons, right? So that's been a, a big movement. But the flip side is then, as an organization, how do we be sustainable, right? And that was kind of the next step is we had to put our money where our mouth is, right? So we are completely carbon-free as an organization. We actually just completed our life cycle analysis, which was honestly about a 12-month process because they take into account 
everything from water use in your products to manufacturing to emissions to shipping um, to ingredient sourcing to freight, right? So it was, we're still such a small brand, but we still have such great and exciting growth. Does it make sense to invest in being carbon-free today? And we kind of came together as a, as a leadership team and as a broader team, and we said, yeah, right? Is that we need to, um, again, put our money where our mouth is and be carbon-free across the board. So we officially um, actually reached that about two weeks ago. Congrats. And we are now carbon. Thank you so much. It was a long, long journey here. But um, yes, we have now analyzed every single step of our emissions, again, from every component of our supply chain to every aspect of our supply chain. So we can be, again, truly sustainability from, from start to finish. I think about other companies out there like Patagonia, which has been such a leader for so long. They did so much in the footwear and apparel industry, and then they mapped it across to Patagonia provisions and so on, the food category. I know you're thinking about personal care now. Tell us about what's what's the larger roadmap. You've already scaled 5X in 2020 during COVID, and there's a lot of challenges to that. But what's the larger roadmap look like? It goes back to the beginning, right? It's, you know, born and raised Boulder. It's how do we bring sustainability to everyone? And how do we do it in a way, again, that's price parity with the market, that's not asking behavior change, that you can actually integrate into your daily life without, um, without having to sacrifice, right? How are we everywhere? So currently we're in direct consumer, we're on Amazon, and we're in retail, right? So the, the mission of our brand is to bring zero waste to the masses in a way that you don't have to become... Um, a different person to integrate this into your daily use. So that's always what we'll come back to, right, is how do we bring this to the masses? And to do that, it's really um, distribution, it's growth, and it's product development, right? So it's taken us five years to get to a, a point that our cartons don't leak, right? Year one, right. we had 100% leakage in our, our, our hand soap, dish soap, and all-purpose cleaner. Year two, we had 80% leakage. And when I say leakage, we literally slipped on our production floor. You couldn't walk. It was a huge liability and, a, and an absolute mess for, for many years. Um, year three, we had 50% leakage. We still couldn't launch, right? We finally launched. We had 30% leakage year one, which was one of the reasons it was so hard economically, right, to make the business work. Last year, we had 10% leakage. And this year, finally, finally, we're sub 1%. And uh, we're ready to scale in a really big way. So one step is distribution. We're launching in numerous other large grocery partners that are still uh, confidential, but you hopefully see on your shelf here very soon. We're growing in our drug partner, CVS. We're growing with our regional partners in Meyer and Hyvee. And how do we position this everywhere to, again, bring this to, to ease of use from a purchasing behavior and a purchasing pattern? And then the next is new products, is household cleaning is just step one for us, right? We want to move into what are every product that has a plastic bottle um, that you use in your life that we could bring in a zero waste solution. So we don't want to be, uh, don't want to share too much on, on what, what's next. Come on, but, uh, come on, Ryan, give it all here, <laughs> lay it out, get in trouble with the yeah, investors, yeah. get in trouble with exactly. your lawyers, come on. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's really just the beginning, but we hope to be in personal care, we hope to be in body wash, we hope to be in um, most of the categories that you interact with on, a, on an everyday basis. And, and I can't help but continually hear this theme about the power of partnerships here with retailers, whether yeah. it's, you know, CVS or, you know, all the different sort of grocery retailers and so on, you know, and they're all responding to the integrity of your product and kind of the ambition of your mission, which is to really bring zero waste. So all of us as 
purposeful entrepreneurs can lean into that and go, you know, that's enough. You're enough. If your product's good, it's enough. And just keep pushing and leaning into that. It's an exciting time to be in purposeful business, A, because the needs are so great, but B, because so many stakeholders are waking up, including the, you know, the sector, the government sector and so on. You see a lot of things happening with the Biden administration and so on. What's your vision for where future is going to go, uh, where business is going to go in the future, like the next three to five years yeah. with the momentum and with the need that we're seeing right now? Yeah, and this is to your point, going back to partnerships, is we're really exciting because it's not us uh, driving the change. We are part of the change, but it's really exciting because people are driving the change and governments are driving the change, to your point. So on one side, we actually have Canada that banned a good chunk of single-use plastics as a nation, right? And this news was largely missed, frankly, due to, to all the, the, uh, the COVID focus, but they are literally forcing retailers and people to move away from single-use plastics. So this includes cutlery, this includes straws, this includes a bunch of different categories, and we're launching in numerous Canadian retailers because we're one of the best solutions for them to do that, right? So government is going to play a major role here, right? And they are now in the energy sector. They are in the, obviously, the, the, the carbon neutrality um, as a service and also carbon neutrality kind of as a nation. But now they're also going to do it in, in disposal and consumer goods, right? Which is really, really exciting because they're going to force regulation. They're going to force companies to be better because we're a solution. But there's many other solutions out there, right? There needs to be a, a mass movement in all product categories to actually make an impact here. So government's going to be great, and they already are. But it's also retailers. And again, I, I'll go back to we're just so blessed to work with big retailers that are you know, also putting their, their money where their mouth is. They are making these broad commitments, arguably, before they have to, right? And so are big strategics. You know, the, the big four, let's call it, um, have made similar 2025 to 2030 goals, right? So what's really exciting is this doesn't seem to just be a consumer commitment. It is every part of the supply chain is making it on the, on the regulation side, on the government side, on the consumer side, on the retailer side, on the actual shipping and emissions side. So we really believe that by 2025, there will be a significant portion of this category that will change, right? And I think it's going to be uncomfortable for a lot of the, the different parties involved. But I, I think the next five years are going to be absolutely transformative. I, I agree. And, and if you are a purposeful entrepreneur listening to this, listening to Ryan, the big message is be excited and go like hell. Because for the first time, we have the requisite coalition of stakeholders from suppliers to leadership, to employees, to investors, to customers, to consumers, and to industries in the world at large saying we've got to change. And you see all of these timelines, 2030, 2025, being stepped yeah. back, walked back ever closer to where we are today. And uh, you know the, what we're really talking about here is that the market forces, the wind, the wind is behind your back. So go like hell. And, uh, you know, harking back to your parents who gave you such great advice, which is, uh, you know, you know, stay digital. Don't be too attached. You know, you've got to be pretty bloody minded and persistent to get through all of this. And you've clearly done that. If you look back at the journey you've been on since that first idea of college, what's one bit of advice you give everyone out there who, you know, they might have a startup, they might have a high growth company, a Kickstarter, or they might be leading a global enterprise in terms of leading this sort of change. What would your advice be? I think it always goes back to two, and this is not for myself, right? This is, is, is for many leaders out in the space, but one is understand your customer, right? Is it took us four years to get to a solution, a product solution that actually worked, right? It took us a long time, and most of the really exciting sustainable brands out there 
they're not putting sustainability first. They're putting product excellence first, right? Bomba socks help everyone, but they're phenomenal sock, right? The best in the market. They're the most comfortable. Allbirds, they are the most comfortable shoe, and yet they're sustainable, right? So I think for all the purpose-driven entrepreneurs out there, know your customer and then position your solution as a product solution, not as a sustainability solution, right? So support product excellence with sustainability rather than the other way around. And then I think the thing is just, just absolute intense persistence, right? It takes 5, 10, 15 years to build something like this, and you have to understand that journey early on um, and enjoy it, right? right. <laughs> Hopefully we've had a, had a pretty good time so far, and we'll, we'll continue. And uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's, it's stubborn persistence over, over a decade. I agree. And, you know, yeah. one of the things that keep me going that I really, the source of joy and, you know, we first and lead with we, the, the podcast is meeting folks like you and other leaders because we're all crazy and crazy <laughs> loves company and we all get together yeah. and you have a laugh and you talk about it and, you know, everyone's struggling and everyone's, you know, got headwinds against them. But increasingly, the momentum is behind us. And I think everyone should really sort of, if you have that inkling to be a purposeful business and to really disrupt a category and do, you know, bring products to market with greater integrity, then now is the time. Ryan, I can't thank you enough, you know, for the insights today, for disrupting what is arguably a very competitive and already disrupted category and huge success for CleanCult moving forward. Thank you so much, Simon. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Lead with We. Our show is produced by Goal 17 Media, and you can always find more information about our guests in the show notes for each episode. Make sure you subscribe to Lead with We on Apple, Google, or Spotify, and do share it with your friends and colleagues. You can also watch the episodes on YouTube at We First TV. And I'm excited to share that my new book, Lead with We, is now available for pre-order at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Google Books. So check it out. I'll see you on the next episode, and until then, let's all lead with we.